What is going on, my people? It is great to be with you today. My name is Nathan Crankfield, the host of Seeking Excellence Podcast. Welcome to Seeking Excellence Podcast, episode 108. Unless I decided to record a bonus one for Thanksgiving week, but this is the plan. Is we're going to go with 108, uh, Financial Excellence, part two. So very excited. Love the response we got to the first Financial Excellence Podcast. It was very positive. We got lots of lots of downloads, listens, and things like that. And so I'm excited to continue to talk about this a little bit today. Like I said in the last last episode about this, we might have to go back and um, we might have to, I mean, going forward, might need to do more than I had anticipated. We're going to talk about this a lot more in the future because I do think it's something that's super important and I'm really passionate about it. So um, yeah, I think one thing that's daunting is thinking about doing like multiple hour long episodes. But I think as I continue to grow and learn along my journey as well, just sharing like little shorter episodes and things like that, videos and stuff that will help people. And I will be able to share some of my lessons learned along the way. That's really what this is all about, right? Like I kind of gave that preface and disclaimer at the beginning of the last one, like I'm not a financial expert or advisor. And I really had just learned a lot about it, you know, thanks be to God and try to apply it and try to share it. So uh, we're going to talk about some more of this stuff today, dude. I'm super pumped. So we kind of ended last time talking about, um, actually, before we get into that, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving week with your family. I hope it was restful and wonderful. Um, it, God willing, by the time this episode comes out, I will have a dog. So you might be hearing some barking uh, from a new puppy in some future episodes, which is my hope and dream. Obviously, not ideal for the pod. But uh, definitely ideal for my morale and my life. So uh, Emily and I are very excited. Hopefully, getting the dog. We'll be talking about that uh, in the future. But I need to get Emily on here pretty soon, which is the plan. We've got a lot of great guest content too. That's the other thing I was going to share. Some awesome, awesome guests coming out in the next. Uh, well, not coming out in the next few weeks, but recording with me in the next few weeks. I'll probably be finishing 2021 pretty strong with mostly solo episodes. Going to get a little bit of Emily in here for sure. Uh, maybe another guest or two, but uh, going to finish pretty strong talking about a lot of the pillars of seeking excellence, uh, closing out the year, and then we'll come in hot with a lot of guests and stuff in the, in the new year. So excited, excited for that. But as I was saying before, um, you know, we kind of finished talking a little bit about budgeting last time. And so I was trying to think, you know, really like, where were we last at? We kind of talked about percentages. We talked about, you know, percentages, breaking down your budget. We talked about the need for a budget. Talked about how budgeting is very, you know, very similar to like playing defense in basketball. Like it limits you just from being decimated, right? Where if you have no budget, if you have no defense in place, and no matter how much you score, no matter how much money you make, you're still going to be going backwards, right? So one of the fallacies, so I'm going to start today by talking about some fallacies, and then we'll get into the, the debt snowball. And so one of the fallacies I learned about early on that really, really, really set my foundation. And again, I want to preface this with saying, I apologize if I'm redundant. I had planned to record these like back-to-back days. It just didn't work out. And so I'm a couple weeks later than I recorded the first one. So if I'm redundant and repeat myself with certain things, I apologize. Um, but one of the things that really like laid my foundation was in Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. He really stresses the fact that he's seen many people over, over the years, you know, who think that making more money is a solution to their financial problems and that oftentimes when we make more money, we just spend more money. Then I went forth and I would see this all the time in people, right? Like see it all the time. I had to stop myself from doing it. I remember leaving ranger school and 
you don't spend a lot of money when you're at Rangers Cove. You don't spend almost any money, right? You get some snacks here and there every now and then, but uh, that you get to buy. But you really, you really save a lot of money, right? And our rent was pretty cheap. We were living on posts in Fort Benning, Bob and I. And so really saved a lot of money. And I got out and I went home to Harrisburg well, with one of my friends to a Ford dealership and test drove a Mustang. Now, let's say I saved, I don't, I don't know if this is accurate. I was there for about four months. So let's say I saved $10,000 while I was in range school just to have a flat number. Now I could have gone and blown that 10 grand on a car, right? On a Mustang, even though I had at the time a Dodge Dart that I really hated, uh, but it was paid off and uh, was three, only three years old at the time. Um, but I really didn't love it. It was really tiny. I didn't enjoy driving it um, at all. Uh, but I, I could have, I could have done that. Right. And that's a lot of times what people do. And I see my, I see friends and, and just like Facebook friends and stuff, do this stuff all the time. Right. Like you see somebody who's living at home, they get a, a pay raise and they, now they're driving a Mercedes Benz and they're 24. And it's like, why, what, you know, like when people get a pay raise and they buy a car, they buy a more expensive thing. And so I, I've talked to you a little bit about how my uh, Camry was what I call my worst financial decision. Definitely wasn't like a bury me financial decision. And I waited long enough to, to definitely have the money to buy it. I just wouldn't buy a, a new car at this point of my understanding. But you see people do this all the time, right? You make more money, you just spend more money. And that's, I think, because people don't have this percentages stuff broken down and really understand it. So this is something I really want you to understand that when you have to be careful to think that just making more money is going to solve your problems, because if you don't have a good structure in place and just more, more income, more inflow is not going to produce any more fruit, right? If what you're making now is a produce, if you have a little bit now, you're not producing a little bit of fruit, then having more is not going to make you produce more fruit. Also along line with that, because uh, I forgot to share one of my favorite quotes last week, um, you know, I, I kind of addressed this, you know, general vibes we have. I feel like oftentimes within church that I really don't like of being like being a good financial steward and being prudent with your money or investing or being aggressive and playing offense is imprudent or it's sinful or whatever. Um, because I think the Lord really tells us it was kind of funny because I think it was it was the daily mass like the day after I released our last podcast that was the the, the gospel was the the stewards that I was talking about the faithful stewards and being uh, given. Um, you know, one, one was one talent, one was five, one was 10. And he comes back and scolds the one who just buried it in the ground and said, why didn't you just at least put it in the bank? It would have gained interest for me. Now from he who has uh, little, what he has will be taken from him. And he who has more and more will be given to him. And so God being able to trust you in small things, so he can trust you with more things. Now, this isn't a prosperity gospel that says, you know, if you tithe and you do these things, you're going to be wealthy. Far from that. I'm telling you to tithe because God tells you to tithe. I'm telling you to invest because it's prudent to do that. So you can tithe more in the future and you can have that financial security. You don't have to have financial problems melting and rotting away your marriage and your relationships and your mental health and all these other things. That's why I'm telling you to do that. So it's different. It's not a prosperity gospel because I don't believe that. I think I, I was taught that by certain Christians and, and friends in my life when I was in my early twenties, but it's not real, right? Like you could, you could tithe and, and still have hardship and financial struggles and things like that, that, um, you know, certain situations that come and happen that are really outside of your control to a certain extent. Um, I still preach that extreme ownership and, and say, even if you're hit by a hurricane, you chose to live in a place where hurricanes hit, you know, so I, I believe in that level of extreme ownership. But at the same time, um, some things are very unpredictable, right? I didn't plan to tear my Achilles, but I also could have not played basketball that night. So you kind of see the balance of, you know, there's certain things that are kind of be kind of unexpected. Now, the other thing I was going to share with that is 
you know, when we talk about it from a faith perspective, what I've often heard and what I've seen in people um, in my life, and this is my belief, I don't think I've seen enough in my lifetime to really have the firsthand experience, but I, I do understand this and think that it's true, that uh, having more money just reveals more of who you are. It doesn't change who you are, as many people think. It just reveals more of who you are because you have more opportunity, more ability to be that person, right? And so one of the things, one of my favorite quotes actually about money and actually generosity comes from uh, Tony Robbins. So I read, I read both of his books, Unshakable and Money Master the Game. Both great books, both of my resource list for, for the financial pillar and uh, basically Money Master the Game. He like interviewed a bunch of like really, really wealthy people that most of us don't get access to and asked them like how they would like coach the average person to become a millionaire um, and to like be financially successful. A millionaire can be the wrong mark. Um, and we can talk about more about that in a bit, but, um, he talked, he had one part in that book where he says, you know, if you won't give a dime out of a dollar, you're not going to give a million out of 10 million. If you're not generous now, you're not going to be generous then. And so that's the importance of what I'm talking about. Of Like I said, last week or last episode on this, if, you know, if you're not at a place where you can get to 10%, that's okay. I think I, but I do think you need to be working towards it and have certain benchmarks that are like, Okay, if I make this, when I make this much money, that is when the percentage is going to change. Or when I pay off this debt, that's when the percentage is going to change. Things like that, that really hold you accountable to that. So you have a plan. It's not just like, yeah, when I make more eventually, like I'll get to 10%, but right now I just can't do it, right? Like, okay, you can't do it, but when are you going to? So that's one, that's one of the things. The other thing I wanted to talk about uh, that really kind of hit me as I was just reflecting more after recording last time is... Uh, you know, when it comes to when it comes to your your budget, and I, I kind of mentioned this with some of the big things like moving and all this other stuff, is I think sometimes I think this fallacy I call it the justice once fallacy. Uh, I think it happens to us both in 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 both the two things that we primarily budget in our lives are our time and our money, and I think this fallacy hits us in both in both places. So when you are budgeting and you're spending money, you're, you're saving money, you're doing all these things, right? It's very easy to kind of have this, like, just this once, I'm going to have to spend a good bit, right? Um, and that could be an emergency, right, that you have to pull out of your emergency fund, and which I'm going to talk about today, um, where you, you know, you get a flat tire or something like that. But it also could be like your vacation, right? Where it's like, just, I, you know, I just, I just need to splurge this one time. And this is the reason why you need to do that 90-day review and really budget month to month because that's what keeps you from believing that you're just doing it once, right? So it's so easy to just kind of do that over and over again. So like, I look at my life over the last several months and it's like, okay, I had a big expenditure. I paid off my car. Then we had some big expenses when we moved. Then we had some big expenses and we said, okay, I'm going to splurge a little bit and pay a little bit more in my rent um, because I want to have a home office and all this stuff. Then it's easy to say, okay, Let's splurge on tickets to go to a, a Nuggets game. Let's splurge on tickets to go to a concert. Let's splurge on tickets to go, uh, you know, see my family or to, um, you know, in the past to get a tattoo or to, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of, of other things that just kind of pop up. And now we're getting a dog, right? So I think one thing that's really important, and, and when you budget and you have the money for those things, it's different. But when you're not budgeting and you kind of have this, this idea of, well, you know, you know, we're moving, I moved to a new apartment and now we're going to like splurge on, on new furniture uh, to fill the place. 
like the two things that are never ending is in my in my opinion is that you're going to have some serious expenses and uh you're going to be busy right like life is going to be full all the time unless you make it not that way i mean you can choose deliberately to make it not that way and there's times where you need to right there's times where you need to take a lot more off your plate there's times where you need to say okay you know we're strapping down to pay off debt or to get it after it or to save more aggressively because we missed you know our first 6 years out of college of investing really out of high school but let's say out of college to be generous to us and we're trying to catch up. So we've got to be aggressive. Like there's times to cut it out and just, you know, Dave Ramsey talks about the just going straight ramen diet, ramen and water. There's times for that. But for most of us, as we're just kind of generally living and you're living on these percentages, you just have to be aware to say, okay, we have to be careful when we're moving because we, we can't just spend all of our money, right? We have to be mindful and have a budget so we can know how much we can spend. Because we're going to try to move next year when we buy a house, God willing. And then we're going to have to outfit that house as well. You know, and it's going to be bigger. So we're going to have to do that again. Then, you know, what if we get pregnant right away? We're hopeful, we're hopeful and hoping to get pregnant pretty soon after we get married. So what if that happens? Then there's a whole nother expense. And we wanted to get a dog. And we wanted, you know, and the holidays are coming up. And so there's so many things, right? And so you have to be mindful of that to say, okay. Uh, and, we're, and we're planning a wedding. So we have to be mindful to say, okay. We can't just take this justice once mentality because justice once happens every month. And if we're not careful with that, we're going to go backwards. And so that's the importance. You can have a little bit more freedom in that when you budget well, because then you have your short-term spending and all this stuff kind of set aside. And you know, even in those times where you have these big expenses and these expensive months, at least I know like I'm not like taking away from my retirement, right? Like I'm still saving, I'm still spending I'm still seeing certain things grow for sure, which is why you have to keep the money out of your account. You know, I'm a big believer in that of your primary checking account, not just having 10 grand in it because then you're going to spend it. Right. So you have to be mindful of that. Like how much cash can I keep on hand? And it's a maturity thing a lot of times and discipline thing. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, or, or this is the last thing kind of goes along with that. Right. So with budgeting, and then I want to talk about the breakdown of the budget and some other things that kind of hit on Dave Ramsey's baby steps and, and, and debt. We're going to talk about debt too. So I don't know if we'll get to any investing today because I don't want to take two hours, but, and I don't have two hours, unfortunately. So government spending, uh, Ben Shapiro talks about this all the time. He, and I, I love this. I don't know why, like certain like little like anecdotes and things like that, like really give me hype. <laughs> Probably because I'm a weirdo and a nerd, but this is one of my favorites, right? So Ben Shapiro, and I've never like seen this survey, but I think it's very like reasonable to believe. And I think there's a principle that underlies it that doesn't really, even if it wasn't true, I don't think it would be a huge difference, but I kind of want to look it up and see if I can link it. Ben Shapiro says that, uh, you know, when you do government spending surveys in the United States and you look at the national debt and you ask people, do you think the government should spend less? Most, a majority, a vast majority of people say, yes, we need to spend less money, right? Then when you itemize it and you break it down and you say, okay, here's what we're spending money on. Which do you think we should spend less money on? Education? People are like, no, not, not less on education. We need more on education. Healthcare? No, not less on healthcare. We need more on healthcare. National defense? No, not less, more. Infrastructure? No, not less, more. You know, like all these different things, when you break it down and you itemize it, people say no. But, 
And, and I think that's a lot of times the way that we kind of approach our budget, right? It's like, should I budget? Should I do, you know, should I cut back? Should I invest more? Should I save more and all this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And then it's like, all right, well, what do you want to cut back on? <laughs> and people are like, uh, you know, you would go out with your friends list you, and everybody wants to live this like YOLO life, you know, of I just want to ball out and just kind of have fun. I'm in my 20s. I'm just living life. I'm having, having a good time. And that's cool. That's what you want to do. But when you're broke and stressed and having arguments with your spouse about money later on, don't say homeboy didn't warn you. You know what I mean? Like you, everybody chooses and you have the freedom to choose. Praise the Lord. We have, we have human freedom. We have autonomy. We live in the greatest country in the world. Um, yeah, that's a statement that I don't feel as confident making anymore. But anyways, uh, I guess all the countries are pretty much going to crap. So it's not just us, but uh, yeah, you have the autonomy to do that. If that's what you want to do. But I think you have to be really realistic with yourself because that's, that's the hard part, right? is, you know, we want to cut back on spending. But one of the things that, you know, kind of another saying that I love that kind of goes along with both the justice wants and the kind of government spending analogy is don't be penny wise and pound foolish. So that's obviously a, uh, you know, British reference with the pounds, but like penny wise and dollar foolish, right? So a lot of times what people will do when they're budgeting or when they're trying to, you know what I mean? Like get on this grind and, and be financially uh, wise and healthy is you're at the grocery store, right? And you look and there's like two brands and you're like, they're really kind of the same. We do like, like seltzer water is a great one, right? Like you could buy LaCroix, you can buy a Pellegrino, you can buy, um, a, a, yeah, San Pellegrino and they're delicious, right? It's great. But is the, is the Kroger brand really that much worse? And it's like a dollar less? No, right? So you just, you buy that one, right? Or whichever one's on sale, 10 for 10 or whatever the deal might be, you know, three for 10. Um, the 10 for 10s with the ice and, and those are bomb. Uh, but again, you got to be like, all right, we're going to we're going to just save a few dollars here because we're trying to be wise with how we spend our money. Right. You maybe you go out to eat and you're like, you know, I'm just going to get one beer tonight. The second beer is eight dollars. Like, I really don't need that. And you're just trying to save money. But then, like I said, you go to a game or you go do these other things. Then you just blow out all the money that you saved. doesn't mean you're not still making a little bit more progress than if you just spent it all the time. But at the same time, a lot of times it's very easy to cut coupons or to save here and there to, you know, do your bargain shopping. But then when you, you know, have the opportunity to, to buy a couch or to buy a car or to, to buy a TV or whatever it might be, you don't budget, you make an emotional decision and you buy the nicest thing. Then you're right back to where you started. And so it's like, or even worse, you know what I mean? You're taking uh, one step forward, three steps back. And so you don't want to fall into that. You don't want to be that, that type of individual. So Going back with the budgeting. So last time we talked about my percentages that I like, right? So you make your money, you have to pay taxes, which sucks. Then you, you know, you tithe out of the, the, the net income that you have coming in 10%. You invest 15% more if you can. Spend about 25 to 30%, ideally 25% on housing. Then you live on the rest, right? So then I'm going to take it. I'm going to live on the rest of that, um, the rest of that money, which is, about 40% of what I, what, about what I bring in. So let's talk about the way you break down that remaining 40% if you're living at this, you know, kind of going on this, this style, right? So what I like to do, and I'm kind of old school, I've used, I think I mentioned this last time, I've, I've used Mint.com, I've used different like app sites, but I really do just like enjoy Excel. I'm kind of a weirdo. It was kind of where I was raised, you know, was just budgeting on Excel. And so I at least, if not budgeting on Excel, I also have a notebook 
Emily, it cracks Emily up. Uh, I, I might have mentioned this last time too, so I'm sorry. I do still have COVID brain, so I can't like hardly can remember what I ate for breakfast most days. But um, <laughs> I have a notebook that's like completely dedicated to financial stuff, right? So I was budgeting for Emily and I before we even started like making our income based on what I thought we were going to be making in Denver, right? So kind of like setting it up, setting it down and breaking down the percentages and seeing kind of the projections of like, where will that take us? It's super fun. Like one thing that'll make you really inspired to do those percentages and to really start to invest and get more aggressive with that is uh, it's one of my favorite things that the government's ever created because I hate most things the government does. But there's this, uh, and I will include this too. There's this uh, government compound interest calculator. It's like like interest.gov or I forget what, what the website is, investor.gov. And they have a compound interest calculator and it's super dope. You can go through and you can plug in. Here, let me see if I can bring it up. So if you're watching on YouTube, I will show you Z-Way, my friends. Um, yeah, dude, I love this freaking thing. And it's one of the best things because then you can go through and you can actually see how much you can make. Now, I'll use this next time when we talk about investing. But here, I'll just show you it for now so you can kind of see the breakdown. And so you can see like you have step one, put in your initial investment, how much you have to invest right away. Um, if you're just starting out, this is perfect for you. Monthly contribution, length of time and years, estimated interest rate. Um, and I'll, like I said, I'm gonna break down how to use this. We'll play around with it uh, with the investment episode. Um, but then you compound it, you calculate, and dude, it's so cool to see the graph and to see how much money you can have in the future. It's one of the best things, right? So I absolutely love that because it, it gives you the hope and it gives you the encouragement to say, wow, this is worth it, right? If you don't understand how compound interest works, you're never going to think that investing is really worth it. And so um, that thing is really huge to use, but I have my whole notebook that's dedicated to that. And that's where I can also just with pen and paper, sometimes just old school, break it down and be like, all right, you want to list out what expenses do I know I have every month? So think about, like I said, I try to use include utilities in that, in that 25% of housing, but maybe you put your utilities down there, uh, your Wi-Fi expenses, phone bill, gas, right? Gas might fluctuate, but you might be able to have an idea doing the 90-day review. How much are you generally spending each month on gas? Uh, groceries, obviously, is a big one. Um, my gym membership, any streaming services or things like that that you, you, you go to. Uh, gifts, you know, you have birthdays that come up and holidays and things like that. Um, going out to eat, right? Like, I'm not telling you to not go out to eat. We go out to eat for sure. Um, we're big Chili's fans, uh, so we're not always just balling. But we do uh, enjoy going out to eat. And I think that you should do that. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of anything else because I don't have it in front of me, of course, because I'm a goober. But um, I am going to break it out for the next episode. I'm not going to all of that stuff. But yeah, so breaking down, you know, you know what it is. Like, what are your, your monthly expenses and all the things that you have to pay for, right? So um, breaking that down and kind of seeing that. The other thing that I encourage you to budget for is two things. So there's a few things in here. So now I want to talk about savings, which is outside of investing. So if you don't have an emergency fund, this is Dave Ramsey's first step. He says, I believe he goes off, uh, he says $1,000. I like a $1,500 emergency fund personally. Um, and so your emergency fund is set up so that when you hit an emergency, you have money, right? And so this doesn't mean like, a $10,000 emergency, right? Obviously, that's going to be pretty challenging to face. But when we're talking about, um, like I said earlier, like a flat tire or your TV falls off the wall because you didn't mount it right, 
maybe speaking from experience on that one. Um, you know, you have like, I had an issue with my family, right? Uh, my grandmother went to the hospital and I flew home. It was an expensive plane ticket because it was like, I bought it the same day I flew out, right? To the East Coast from Denver. Um, little things like that, right? So things that are generally under $1,000 that can hit you hard, you know, but you still, um, when you have an emergency fund, they don't hit you as hard, right? So it doesn't set you back. If you have $0 in your checking account and you have to pay for a flight to go home, now you're going to rack up credit card debt. You're going to go backwards, right? But if you have money set aside for emergencies, then it's not that bad, right? It doesn't hit you as hard. And so that's what the emergency fund is all about. Um, for Dave Ramsey, he says that the, the next step is to pay off all debt. And so maybe that's, if you have debt, maybe you need to be budgeting pretty heavy into your percentages of how you're going to pay off your debt. So what Dave recommends for people who have debt, especially you have multiple types of debt, right? So let's say you have credit card debt. Let's say you have student loans um, and a car payment, right? What Dave would encourage you to do, uh, and you can go and look at this. There's great YouTube videos on it. We'll probably send one out or send a few out in the uh, newsletter this week um, that, that referenced this. So be sure to go to thosewhoseek.org and sign up for the newsletter. Um, but Dave will talk about uh, what he calls a debt snowball. And so what I really love about the debt snowball is because it takes something that is impractical to a certain extent and recognizes the human psychology needs, right? So this is one of the things where in this, in this episode, I watched one today that kind of overviewed it again before I talked about it. He addresses a lot of like seeking excellence kind of mindset and recognizes that, you know, we're not like, he, he always, he often says, he quotes this in the, in the video where he says that. Um, your financial outcome is going to be 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge, which we often think is the opposite, right? We often think it's just the rich to get richer and all these things. And we believe all these freaking lies that <laughs> Democrats tell us. I tried to do a little cough there, not to explain the Dems. And rem reminder that I just, I despise 98% of all politicians, but Democrats are the worst. Um, and they teach you these lies. They especially pound it in, into the heads of, of black people across the country that you just don't know enough. I just watched another funny video today of Ben Shapiro reacting to um, asking white liberals and then black people in Harlem why the black obesity rate is what it is. All the white people said that it was because of racism. All the black people said because people make choices to eat food that aren't healthy for them and then they gain weight. <laughs> like we have freedom and autonomy, right? And so you, you see these lies are just pounded in people's heads. It's just propaganda and it's unbelievable. But we accept so much of it. But the truth is, you know, he always says, if I can control the man in the mirror, I'd be uh, skinny and rich, right? And that's the, that's the reality of it, right? Is if you had the discipline, if you had the, the behaviors of people who, who end up with wealth at the end of their life, no matter whether they started with it or not, then you'd have it too, right? It's just, it, that's how it works. Um, that's the system that we live in right now. And so one of the things he addresses is he's like, when you're approaching debt, oftentimes financial advisors and things like that will tell you to attack the one with the highest interest rate first, right? You want to attack them with the highest interest rate because that's one's charging you the most money, costing you the most and things like that. What Dave Ramsey says is if you lay it out and you have five different types of debt, he says to start with the lowest amount first, right? So let's say you owe $500 on a credit card bill, you know, uh, $8,000 on your car and $22,000 in student loans. He'd say to attack the credit card bill first and build up to the biggest one because the biggest one can be the most daunting to take on. Now, if you're a procrastinator like me, you know that, right? So I, I've shared over social media over the last couple of weeks, I got really behind in every aspect of my life. 
Um, but especially, and I kind of took this snowball approach without even realizing it. Right. So I have like 130 texts that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, I had like 90 Instagram messages and I had like 30 to 40 emails on my SE email that I really need to go through. And then I had like, uh, 12 to 20, um, Facebook messages that I was behind on as well. And some of these people I'm talking, I was responding to people from September, right. And it's November, like it was bad. Uh, so I, I did this without even realizing I did this. Like, I'm just realizing this now in this moment, but I, I like responded to all the Facebook messages first, then I crushed the emails and then I went through and crushed the, the Instagram messages. And now I still have the, the text left. Um, but that's kind of the whole point, right? Is that you, you tend to procrastinate a lot more with the things that seem most daunting. And so they're most intimidating to you because they're so large. And so he's like, it's important in life to have momentum. And he recognizes that psychological effect that like paying something off and just like canceling it out does for somebody. So what he says is, yes, it's not the most expedient. It might not be the most practical, but it's the one that works. Like you don't want just want to do what's most expedient, what's most practical. You want to do what's going to get you to the, to, to the finish line, right? Like actually successfully. It's the same thing if you think about it. You know, I share this analogy all the time, with like a GPS in a car. Or if you think about, um, uh, you know, we would do a, a, like land navigation in the army. Like you could draw a straight line from where you are to where you want to go, but there could be a cliff in the way. There could be, uh, you know, water in the way. There could be all these other things. So you want to, you might draw a route that goes all the way around some huge obstacle that avoids exhausting you climbing up a mountain or, or going over water and ruins your, you know, when you have wet boots, like that sucks. So you might draw a way that goes around to the bridge and it might take you longer might be, you know, a longer walk. It's going to be, you know, have its downsides, but it's going to get you there, right? You're not going to come upon something that's like, you can't, you can't cross it, right? And that could be a mental block, just like it can be a physical one. And so you have to be considering that. It's the same way that I often will approach going to the gym, right? When I, I talk about this kind of life hack of working out. I'm trying to get back in shape as I am right now, right? I'm 20 pounds down. I have 20 pounds to go to hit my, to, excuse me, to hit my goal weight, <clears throat> And I know that like more cardio, healthier eating, all that stuff would help me to do this, to do it more quickly. Right. But I also know that if I just went cold Turkey and stopped drinking, stopped eating any sweets, um, you know, stopped eating carbs, just went like straight whole 30, did cardio every day, whatever. Right. That it wouldn't last. I wouldn't even still be on the journey right now. Right. I would have just stopped, you know, five pounds in and then I would have stopped, quit, binge eat myself right back to where I was. And so instead, what I do is I'm like, well, what I like doing the most is working out, like lifting weights, like bro lifting, right? So I get back going to bro lifting. Then as I start losing a little bit more weight, I start to increase the cardio a little bit more. As I'm starting to increase the cardio, lift more, I'm starting to see results. I don't have the same urge to, to, to binge drink or to, I mean, not binge drink, that was a bad example, but to binge eat is what I meant to say, uh, to drink alcohol because alcohol doesn't help on the weight loss journey, to eat sweets and to smash a bunch of sweets. I don't have the same urge to do those things, right? So it decreases over time. My self-control increases. And eventually I get to where I'm doing all three, right? Then I start to get more tired because I'm working out harder and I have to start being more intentional with my rest. And so over time, I build up to it, right? Instead of what we often try to do is just go cold turkey at once. So that's the mindset. Now, am I saying this is the only way to do it? Absolutely not. Does Dave say it's the only way to do it? No, it's just that you might need to learn yourself because some people can go cold turkey go whole 30, you know, paleo diet or whatever you want, you know, whatever you want to do, go straight, you know, cut out all the bad food for them and just start crushing the gym. Some people can do that. I just think it's a very small subset of the, the, the community, you know, of the population. So 
you have to know yourself and learn how you interact with, you know, life. That was a weird way to say that, interact with life. How you live. I don't know. How you achieve your goals. Learn, know, know thyself, says Socrates, my favorite philosopher. Well, he's not my favorite. St. Thomas Aquinas is my favorite. All right. I'm not a pagan, but I do love Socrates. Socratic method is super dope. Okay. So then, uh, you know, debt snowball. So you might need to include your debt and create a game plan. Dude, if you have a lot of debt, like you need a hot game plan and to be on your budget, like extra tight, like unbelievably tight, like lockdown, full court press, right? Full court press of this defense, <laughs> like no breaks, all gas, no breaks, right? Uh, so you need to be really intentional with that. I'm very blessed to not have debt. I really haven't had much debt as an adult. Um, but yeah, you got to be careful with that stuff, man. So that's that's kind of the debt snowball. Now, the other thing that I think you can budget for within this budget is he also talks about the loss of income fund, right? So your loss of income fund is for emergencies, right? Man, were there a lot of people in the United States last year that wish they had a loss of income fund? You bet your ass there were, right? Like there was a ton. And so what a loss of income fund is you want to save up three to six months of your expenses. So this is the budget um, where you go through. Obviously, there would be no taxes, but you can kind of just add up this number pretty quickly by looking and say, okay, if you lost your income, you really don't need to tithe because you don't have any money coming in. Uh, so you can pause that for a little bit. You're not paying taxes, so that number doesn't count. You could even say there's, there's certain circumstances where you're going to pause investing, right, for a few months until you get another job. Your housing, groceries, gas, right, like some of these like serious ones, like you might even cancel your gym membership, right? So you can choose whether or not you're going to include that in your loss of income fund. Like what this kind of is, is a flexible number that you get to choose, right? So for me, I have a gym in my apartment. If I lost my job, like I would not I would like my, my gym membership would be canceled, right? Like my, the one I pay for, um, the one of the apartment is much smaller. It's not as nice, but I could work out there if I had, I had no money, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you get to kind of choose what's going to be included in this, but groceries, gas, um, maybe your Wi-Fi, you need to apply for jobs and things like that. Um, and grocery and, uh, what was the other one I said? I can't remember, but thinking about what your top, your top expenses would be, right? Like your ones that you have to have, and then multiply that. I mean, obviously, six is the most comfortable way to go, but you can pretty much typically get away with three, especially if three months I'm talking about, if you, uh, depending on where you're at in life, right? So when I'm 22, 23, especially when you have a very secure job. So those are kind of the two things that really will depend on how much buffer you want to give yourself within what you're considering your expenses, right? And um, not just that, but also, uh, whether you want to do three, four, five, or six months. Now, when I was 23 years old, I was in the army. Dude, to get kicked out of the army takes like six months, right? So like, one, I didn't think I was going to do anything to get kicked out. But also, even if you do, right, you can't get fired tomorrow from the army. So it takes a long time. So you have an idea. So you don't really need a ton because your job is pretty secure. And I was also a single man, right? So like, I also had this like worst case scenario. I could always move back home if I needed to. Um, so there's more fallback plans. Now, when you're 30 and you have a kid or two kids and you're married, and let's say, like, let's fast forward. Let's say my life goes perfectly, right? In the next five years, Emily and I have, you know, 
two kids or or, preg- or one kid with one on the way or something like that. Let's say next four years, three to, three to five years. Um, Emily's staying at home at that point, right? With the two kids. Now at that point, right? Like homeboy's got to have a pretty good emergency fund saved up, <laughs> you know, because I'm going to be the primary breadwinner. I'm going to be the only breadwinner basically at that point, uh, you know, other than like speaking and stuff like that every now and then maybe. But um, let's say I'm the only bread, like I'm making, I'm making the income for the house. Uh, and then I have three miles to feed outside of my own, right? So four total, you want to have a pretty solid uh, loss of income fund. So that's kind of what will gauge the difference. Now, I also still think that I have a pretty secure job. Uh, let's hope that that's true. If you haven't subscribed to Halo, please go do so uh, to save my family. Save the kids. You know, it's not about me. Save the kids. Think about the dog. All right, I have a dog now. Now I do have two mouths to feed and basically three because I, I, uh, I feed Emily most of the time too. So pray for me, I guess is what I'm asking. This is what this comes to. This has gotten very serious very quickly. Now I'm just messing with you. So, but yeah, so that's how you can kind of gauge that of like, what's your loss of income fund going to look like, right? All right, so boom. Then, you know, because I'm not just a Scrooge, right? We're going to have some fun here. So the other thing that I like to budget for is short-term savings. So short-term savings is super dope, right? Short-term savings is lit. What does short-term savings mean? Short-term savings means the money that you get to just spend on whatever the hell you want. And so when you're making a decent income, when you have no debt, especially, because I don't think if you have, you know, unmanageable debt, and by unmanageable, I mean that you can't pay it off this month, that you should have any short-term savings, personally. Um, or if you're not investing, you shouldn't have short-term savings. If you're not tithing, you shouldn't have short-term savings. Um, that's, that's my thought process on it. But once you do check all those boxes, then you get to start saving money you can just spend, right? And you have thousand, two thousand, $10,000 that you can spend and splurge and buy people really nice holiday gifts. And you can take a vacation and go on vacation somewhere and you can buy a dog, right? When you want one and all of these things, right? So that's when you start to have your short-term savings that says, you know, you get to next month and it's like, man, we already spent all of our going out to eat money, but we have friends coming into town. Um, if I don't have the money, I'm not going to go do it. But if I have my short-term savings and I have $2,000 and it's like, yeah, we can take them out to dinner. Wouldn't that be nice to take them out to dinner when our friends come to town? So that's kind of the process there. So short-term savings is a certain percentage that you can break down or, you know, a certain amount of month, let's say $100, $200, whatever. Now, I still would encourage you to to save up for things before you buy them, right? So like, for example, um, you know, my short-term savings is where it is now, but I want to buy a new iPhone as we go into the new year. Um, I have the 10X Max and it's still good. You know, it's a little cracked. It's not terrible. It still works, but um, I just really want the nicer camera. And I've had this home for like, at that point, I think it'd be like three or four years. And so I want a new one. Um, so I, you can start saving ahead of time, right? So you can actually start to, let's say I don't want to take out of my short-term savings because I want to spend some of that money on the honeymoon or whatever. Like I can still start to budget in my monthly budget to say, okay, uh, the new iPhone, the, the 13 Pro is going to cost me, what is it? Uh, $1,100. I think I'll get 150 off for my phone now. So let's call it right around $1,000. Now, I'm not the type of person who's going to go and, and do the payment plan with AT&T, $30 a month for three freaking years. I, I got, When I tell you I hate debt, when I hate owing people money, you know, in scripture, it says that the, the, lend, the, the debtor is slave to the lender, right? Dude, I'm not about it. Anytime I've ever done that and like 
like it would drive people crazy. I remember trying to buy TVs when I got back from deployment and all kinds of different things. And they'd be like, well, you can just finance it, right? Like you can afford this. You can finance $30 a month. And I told you about this last time talking about the car payment of those monthly payments will get you They're They're, they're real, some, some bitch, you know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful with that because that, that will just mess with your head. And, and you don't want to add, when you look at your monthly budget and you're like, I like what I haven't figured out, like what my short-term savings on stuff is, you don't want to add another thing in there, right? Like I don't want to add another expense, even $30 a month. Like that stuff starts to add up over time. So I want to be able to pay it off when I buy it, partially because I want to just own it, right? Um, but also because uh, I hate having debt and I don't want to add another thing to the expense sheet. So yeah, so I can start saving up and say, okay, now I'm a little late now. I've been doing this for a bit and this this isn't a real life example. It is to an extent, but I'm not going to start doing this in November and say, I want to buy it in January. But let's say I can, I can find in my short-term savings or somewhere in my budget where I can either start to cut some from going out to eat or something like that. And I can say, okay, I'm going to save $100 a month for the next 10 months. Then I'll have the $1,000 to buy the phone, right? And so you can get tricky with it too. And then I'm telling you, it feels so much better when you've saved up and then you go buy it and you own it. Then if you go in, you haven't really thought about it and you just, you get emotionally sucked in. I went to at and this past weekend and they were telling me about it. I was looking at the phone. I'm like, man, this is dope. I want it. Um, and it's easy to get drawn into those things, but you have to start saving up for those. And, and then uh, it's so much better. Like just the emotions of it and just the feeling and, and your confidence, your self-confidence, your self-image isn't as torn down. Um, because you're not like, I'm an emotional idiot who just gets talked into things. Um, you feel a lot better. Now I'm going to talk about one last uh, budgeting tip, something that really saved my life. There's, I guess there's two aspects to this. So let me write this down real quick so I don't forget. So there's two aspects to this we're going to talk about as we kind of close out today um, and wrap up. Definitely not going to get to any offense and investing this time, but that's coming. That's coming. I promise you. Right. So we're getting there. I will probably do two episodes on that as well. So this is kind of cool. I really like talking about this stuff with you guys. You guys are fun. I know what you're thinking. I'm sitting here talking to myself and you're right, but it's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite things about podcasting is like, you literally just like, I just pull up at my, my desk, you know, for an hour. And it's like giving a talk to, to hundreds of people. Um, God willing, someday thousands of people, but we'll see what happens. I'm just happy to be talking to whoever's listening right now. But two things that changed my life when it came to budgeting. Uh, this is a Dave Ramsey principle. It was taught to me by somebody else, but uh, it's the envelope system, right? So the, the, uh, the cash only system. Now I know that I did this five years ago. Yeah, it was like 2016. So five years ago, I did the cash system for However long I did it for, uh, cash system, I probably did for like three to six months. So it's a great thing to do like post 90. So you do your 90 day review, right? We break down these percentages. You get your budget in place. You figure out how you're going to spend it, uh, spend the money that's remaining. So you can kind of get to that zero balance budget, right? So that every dollar at, on the first of the month, you're telling every dollar where it's going to go for the rest of the month. You're not just looking back at the, the wreckage that happened in the last month, right? So you want to start getting intentional and ahead of it, as opposed to just kind of being responsive to your own spending. So once you have that in place, a lot of times it can be very, very helpful for people to have a cash budget. Cards are great. I love them. I love rewards cards. I love debit cards. I love Christmas cards. That was a joke. 
but uh, that's probably the hardest part is you don't you don't get to know if your jokes are funny or not. You know, I'm just out here. I'm just out here pouring my heart, you know, trying to, to build my comedic career as a podcaster. And I just I just have no feedback on whether you think I'm funny or not. That wasn't really that funny, to be fair. So I'd understand if you didn't laugh. But next time you can just give me like a pity chuckle or something. It'd mean a lot. It'd, it'd go a long way. It'd go a long way. That's all. That's I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it at that. It'd go a long way. If you want to leave a review and say, you know, Nathan's hilarious. Would it make my day? Absolutely. But I love cards, right? The danger with cards is that swiping something versus handing over cash is, is another like mind trick. It's just, it's so easy. You insert the card, you have your stuff and you, you get out of the store. It's so easy to spend money that way. You want to talk about when I talked earlier about being penny wise and pound foolish, like credit cards are the reason why people do that. Right? Like I'm sure it happened like in all of human history, but it has to happen a hundredfold more now that we have cards that are so like, it's so not emotional. When you have a hundred dollars in your wallet, right? You have five twenties. When you start to spend those, like it hurts, right? Like you're watching it literally disappear. And so that's what the cash system is. Now it was difficult. It was such a pain in the ass to do this. Just like it's going to be a pain in the ass for me to get the money out to pay for my dog in cash. Cause they only collect cash for this breeder that we're going to. Cause I have USAA. I love USAA, but there's like no physical store. So it's hard to like go get large sums of cash out. Um, it was easier in Fayetteville because the ATM limit was so much higher than a normal ATM. I'm going to have to do like six ATM visits to, to get this money out for this dog. Anyways, I don't know why I told you all that. The thing, uh, what I'm telling you, the reason why I said that actually is because doing the cash system is a pain in the butt, right? Like it's hard to actually get it set up. It's hard to do these things. Now, I think it's really critical that you do it anyways, because what it does is it allows you to really like see the money and you get to actually like physically see your budget. This is why I like to write my stuff out, right? Like even though I have these ideas and these thoughts about budgeting, I could use my phone app on my phone. Like I'm a pen and paper guy. I like to see it out. I like when I'm doing big brainstorms and things like that. Like I love my whiteboard that I have here next to me um, on the wall, right? Like I love it. I got to see the ideas. I got to see it out. This has the added bonus of like, it's literally physical and you can literally hold it in your hands. And so we call it the cash system, the envelope system, because you use an envelope, like a, like a letter envelope for every expense. So I have a gas envelope. I have a grocery envelope. I have an eating out short-term savings one. I have one for um, obviously like Wi-Fi. Some of these like repetitive bills are going to come straight out of your account. Right. Um, but for all of this other, you know, um, spending, we call it like your, your flexible spending. Um, because it varies month to month or your variable spending, whatever you want to call it. That's the things that will go on the cash envelopes, right? And you actually take out the amount of cash that you, you have for those things and you put it in there. Now, this is the great thing about that is it really trains you to say, okay, I'm going to take a road trip this month. And so I'm going to spend a lot more on gas than typically. And so what, where is that money going to come from? It's either got to come out of my short-term savings or maybe I spend a little bit less eating out this month. Or I spend a little bit less going on adventures or, or going on dates or whatever it might be, right? So that's, that's the, the beauty of the cashism is it actually makes you take the money out of somewhere else. It doesn't just come out of your credit card, right? So it gets you off. Um, I've had people, friends of mine, who have taken their credit cards and put it in like a, uh, like a um, uh, man, like a, I was going to say Ziploc bag, but that's not right. Like I'm trying to think of, like a to-go container, right? Like you, the containers you put your leftover food in. I don't know why I can't think of the, a Tupperware. 
for the love of all things that are good. I don't know what is wrong with my brain sometimes, but they put it in like Tupperware, like fill it with water and you freeze it. And it's like, you can't use your credit card unless you very, very deliberately <laughs> choose that you need to, right? Like, unless something really, really bad happens. And so the cash system kind of goes hand in hand with like a talk about credit cards. So this, this is a dangerous game, my friends. Credit cards are a dangerous, dangerous game. Now, Dave Ramsey hates credit cards. He thinks you don't need any personal credit score, like that it's unnecessary. And many other hot takes when it comes to these things. I'm not saying that he's wrong because he's a lot smarter than I am. And he's done this for a lot longer than I have. And he has a lot more money than I do. But my philosophy is this. And so you can make your own. Read Dave, you know, listen to other people that I'll talk about in the next one. We talk about uh, more aggressive, like investing and things like that. I think that you should do the 90 day review. I think, I think you basically like credit cards, I believe are a privilege that you give yourself, right? Cause they'll eagerly give it to you. I'm not saying it's a privilege from the bank. Banks are terrible. They're some of the worst people in the world. Uh, you know, like they just, yeah. If you never watched the movie, the big short, you should, because it just really shows you like the banking industry and how terrible they can be. Um, but they'll give, they'll give you whatever you want, right. To, that'll set you back. They don't care about your financial success. They care about their financial success. Good for them. Um, but for us, I think it's a privilege that you earn, not a right that you have, right? So if you're trying to pursue a life of excellence, I think it's a privilege that you earn, not a right that you have. If you've done your 90 day review, if, you know, this is kind of my checklist, do my 90 day review, live on the cash system until I prove that I could stay within my budget for a while. At that point, I proved that I could budget monthly. I proved that I could, you know, increase my net worth month over month. Um, you know, I was, I was saving, investing and doing all those things. Then I stopped the cash system and I went back to debit card. Right. So I was still sticking on the budget. I was still keeping my checking account low and I was using my debit card. Now I did that for like three years, like three or four years, I want to say. And this is another thing. So people will say, but I get great. Like I get rewards on my credit card on stuff. The rewards that you get on your credit card are not worth you having bad spending habits. Let's go back to what Dave said earlier. Becoming wealthy is 80% behavior, 20% head knowledge. And so what we try to do a lot of times, because we're prideful human beings, is say like my head knowledge will account for, I can make up for my bad behavior. It's very similar to what I say, you know, people talk about like abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. And we think that we can go and just work off a terrible diet in in the gym um, and not care about our diet. Right. And then we're still going to have a six pack. We can just drink a ton. We could eat, a, eat crap. Like we can do all these other things. And we're still going to look great. And it's like, it's not how it works, buddy. And so the same thing goes with this, right? It's 80% behavior, 20% head knowledge. So get your behavior right, especially if you're coming out of college, you're young, right? If you're, if you're early in your marriage, like get your behavior right now so that you can be a little bit more flexible later on in life, right? So get the behavior right. So you don't, it, the rewards that you earn are not as, as, are not as, uh, it's not worth how much you can set yourself back behaviorally when you're just spending and racking up a credit card. Right. And so I did it. I did the cash system. Then I did the debit card thing for years until I proved, you know, time over time, I was increasing my net worth tremendously and saving a good bit and making progress, you know, increasing my income, which increased my investing, which increased my tithe, which sadly increased my taxes. But when I started doing all these things, I was like, okay, now 
we really switched to, I think I really switched to rewards cards. We had gotten this life hack from, uh, uh, it was actually a life hack from Sarah Swafford. She told us to, um, to <laughs> this, is, this is one of my favorite like engagement tips. And you can still kind of do it in engagement and be pretty careful with it because you have some expenses that are obviously going to come, right? And so uh, she said to get uh, the best rewards cards you could get, right? That made the most financial sense with considering like the annual fee um, and all these things. And like the things that you knew you were going to pay for, right? So like we had our venue, which is a huge expense and all these things. And you have a lot of those rewards cards. And we, we found when we did the Capital One Venture card where it's like, if you spend $20,000 in your first six months, you get... 100,000 bonus miles, right? And so um, that's like a, a 5% ROI, right? So 100,000 bonus miles is about $1,000. You can take off traveling expenses with the venture cards, all traveling expenses. Um, and if you spend 20 grand, you're getting $1,000 basically in rewards, which is about 5%, um, which is pretty decent for spending you're already going to do, which really never makes you anything. Um, and if like you could do a first year, no fee. If you want to cancel at the end of that, you can. Um, but what we've done is it, you have to have family or people, if, if you have any family members that are contributing to your wedding or things like that, um, what we did was have them like write us a check and then we get their rewards points by charging things to the card and paying it off right away. Now, if you've done this and you've proven to yourself that you have some pretty good spending habits and ideas of how those things work and you're going to be committed to budgeting, then I think it's okay to start to use those rewards and, and to start to use rewards cards. And our goal is to pay for a majority, if not all of our honeymoon with the rewards we've gotten from already things we'd already spend on. And so I did transition things like my uh, tithe comes out of the credit card, my, uh, you know, Wi-Fi, and we pay the utilities and things like that off on that thing. Right. And so you can kind of like work your way up. Right. So start with just like strictly wedding expenses or things you're going to have like that. Then maybe you switch your rewards card for things that are going to automatically be coming out. Right. Like, I'm automatically paying the tithe. I'm automatically paying my rent. I'm automatically paying my utilities. And maybe you just charge that to your credit card, pay it off every month. Um, and you just kind of experiment that way. After over time, as you see that you are still living well, you're still kind of staying under budget and all these things, then maybe you can extend into some of your other spending, but you just have to be careful with that, right? And so just be mindful of what that looks like for you. And um, if you have a good credit score, you can get a, a pretty good rewards card. Um, and so we've, we've been blessed this year. We've saved a ton of money. We also did the Southwest chase card, um, the rapid, rapid rewards card with them. And I forget what their amount was, but what I did with them is I just started just paying my medical bills with it, paying them off right away. Um, and we ended up getting the companion pass with Southwest. And so for like eight flights this year, I think we have it till February, um, including Thanksgiving, which is hella expensive. I, I think we saved $500 Thanksgiving alone with the companion pass. You get, uh, you just pay the taxes on the second person. So I have the companion pass. And so Emily, you have to designate one person to be that person, but I designated Emily obviously. And we pay like, she's flying home to Baltimore there and back. I think it was like 450 for my ticket, maybe $500. Um, and I use rewards points to pay for a majority of that. Um, and then we just paid $7 both ways for her. So 14 bucks, she's flying to, to Baltimore and back from Denver. And so we've been able to do that with a ton of flights, which has been really, really great. Um, unfortunately, it ends right before our honeymoon. So we'll have to pay for two tickets for that. But pretty dope. So pretty dope stuff. But I really want to warn you that if you're not, you know, prudent, if you're not experienced, uh, you have to be really, credit cards can be really, really dangerous. So you want to be really, really careful. 
as I said, when I was paying off my car, I think I paid like $75 in interest on my car. Uh, the same thing goes like I have a hard rule of never paying any interest on a credit card. And so be mindful of that. Be careful with that um, and just be wise with the way you're doing it. And then be willing and be open with yourself that like maybe you need to take yourself off. Whether it's because you're starting this financial journey, or maybe you even get deep into it. Then you kind of like get addicted to it and you're overspending month over month and you realize, wow, I got to stop this. So um, be open, be honest, be real with yourself when it comes to those things. All right. So next time we're going to talk about offense, investing, all those things. Uh, we got some great stuff. I'm really pumped to share this. We're going to get pretty practical in that. I'm going to get a lot of practical questions about how to set all that stuff up. So I got you, dog. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about 401ks, IRAs, um, crypto a little bit. We'll talk about all real estate some, and we're going to get into some, uh, some, uh, some offensive moves here, some offensive strategy. So thanks for tuning in as always. If you have enjoyed this episode or learned something, please go ahead and share it with a friend. You can share it on social media, leave us a review. It means a lot. It's free to do that. Um, and it's all that we ask. Uh, really grateful for all of you who follow us on social media. If you sign up for the newsletter, I'm, I'm putting out reflections and blogs and other things on this topic, on these topics um, that I encourage you to check out. Would love to share with you. Um, and then videos and other resources, books of the week and all those types of things as well. And highlighting a lot of other great things that are happening. And so, oh, also, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get to see an early picture of, uh, you'll get to see pictures of the dog as well. I'm going to share some, some dog pics in the newsletter this week. Some exclusive dog pics. Uh, so those who seek.org is where you can do that. Dude, if you haven't joined us for this Hallow Pre-25 Advent Challenge, highly, highly encourage you to come check that out. Um, we're going to be starting to promote a, a few more things on here, uh, getting into some advertisements. So definitely check out Hallow, though. I work for Hallow. I love Hallow. Um, and this Pray 25 challenge is going to be great. So they're doing a, um, we got some free trials and stuff like that, that you can get set up with our link. Um, also helps you to support the show. If you just start a free trial, um, it, it helps to support Seeking Excellence financially um, with, with these endorsements that we're going to be sharing too. So highly encourage you. It's another way that you can support us. It's just sharing our links and, and encouraging other people to sign up your accountability partners and stuff that you're going to be doing some of those things with. I'm very excited. So Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that, again, that you had a great Thanksgiving and that you're ready to have a very, very powerful Advent. So, um, yeah, continue to be great. Fight hard. Be your best. God bless.